Action live on ESPN Plus. Back from the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. I'm Sebastian Salazar. Thrilled to be back with my good friend and colleague, Hercules Gomez. I know you'll never admit it, but I will hear, Herc. I missed you. I missed you dearly. I missed this show is really what I missed over my Look time at the Little League World Series. excited you were. Congratulations. Stellar job to everybody involved in the uh, Little League World Series. I- I'm bummed you didn't win. Your team didn't win, but you played your heart out, and that's all you could ask for. <laughs> I did. I did. And I wasn't even the, uh, the tallest kid there. What do you know? No. You know how much I love this show. What a thrill I get out of Football America. So you know if I miss this show for three episodes to go do any event, I must love that event. And that's certainly the case with the Little League World Series. But enough baseball, dude. I I've seen enough baseball to satisfy me for the next year. So let's get to the uh, the real top sport in the world, because we got a lot coming up on this show. We're going to check in on Liga Mekis, where suddenly Chivas has put together quite a little winning streak. We'll see just how, how ambitious their fans should be feeling. We've got the latest chapter in the sad collapse, Herc, of my beloved Washington spirit, plus the latest dripping or tripping with a Mexican national team's away kit. Away kit for the upcoming World Cup, plus our one-on-one with Joe Scalia of Borussia Mönchengladbach and the U.S. men's national team. But let's start, Herc, with something near and dear to your hearts, Americans scoring abroad. A very productive weekend for American forwards in Europe. We'll start with Josh Sargent, who scored the game winner for Norwich in a 1-0 victory over Sunderland. There it is, Herc. Well taken. Fourth in three games. Taylor Twelman reporting that Greg Berhalter's uh, staff was actually on site to scout Josh Sargent in this game. Not a bad game to score. I mean, you got them there, right? Might as well do it. And this guy is hot. What do you want right now? Three straight league games with a goal. Four so far this season. And, of course, the championship available for you on ESPN+. Haji Wright, back-to-back braces in Turkey. He had another two goals as Antalya Spor fell to Gaziantep Spor, 5-2 over the weekend. Still five goals in four league games this season, Herc, for Haji Wright. My man, L.A. in the house. You know the Galaxy used to have this guy in there? <laughs> he used to have him in there. I don't want to talk about the Galaxy anymore. It's, it's, it oh, just makes come sense. on. You uh, love the Galaxy. Scores in bunches. That's what you want, right? I guess so. That's what they say. Pretty useful if you're number nine. Jordan Peefock, this guy scores in bunches. Didn't score in this game, but he had one or what are we giving him? Two assists? There's some debate there. Union Berlin, 6-1 winners over Schalke on Saturday. I saw this crazy stat. It's like players with five or more goal contributions in Europe's top five leagues. That's our U.S. soccer men's bot uh, on Twitter. Neymar, 12. Holland, 7. Becker, 6. Rodrigo, 5. Messi, 5. Jesus, 5. Pifok, 5. Firmino, 5. <laughs> Firmino, 5. Of course, Pifok doing it in the Bundesliga on ESPN+. Plus. So is this guy, Ricardo Pepe. Didn't score, but he did start for Augsburg. As they fell 1-0 against Hoffenheim. That was the good news. The bad news, Herc, he only lasted 56 minutes in the defeat. Yeah, he started. That's the good news. He's 19. That's good news. The world in front of him. Bad news, he's not scored a club goal since September of last year. Ricardo Pepe, of course, one of the many prides of the uh, FC Dallas Academy. Jesus Ferreira as well. He started, got 90 minutes. Uh, No goals as FC Dallas drew 1-1 with RSL. 15 goals. Five assists on the season for Jesus Ferreira. Yeah, uh, they sit fourth in the West. We'll see how long that lasts. A few games in hand for some teams uh, below them, but FC Dallas doing very well. All right, so we got, what, about five players, kind of, we figure, in the uh, number nine discussion for three spots, we figure, for the World Cup team in Qatar, which sets us up nicely, Herc, for a impromptu rendition of start, bench, We figured there'll be a one starter for the World Cup team. Two guys that you can take on the bench 
and two guys that you have to cut from this list of five. Let's start with the good. Who are you going to start in the first game against Wales at the World Cup in Qatar? Yeah, if the World Cup was tomorrow, my starting number nine would be Josh Sargent. Mm. Josh Sargent, uh, it, to no surprise of many of you, is one of my favorite players in the pool. My favorite nine for the amount of talent that he has. He's technically gifted. Uh, he's very good technically, I would say. Tactically sound. He understands uh, what it takes to play the position combined with others. But he gives you that effort that you want in a nine. A nine that's been in teams that struggle for quite some time. Bremen, Norwich in, uh, in the Premier League. So he's got that honest effort about him. He's got all the intangibles you want in a player. Uh, and you want in a player playing in a system like Gregor Halters, that's gonna be probably a team that will look to play transition, look to take their chances, but also ask for on honest efforts for the majority of their players. Today, he is your nine. The combination of wow. all those things that I just mentioned, he would be my starting nine. Hmm. As the resident prisoner of the moment on this show, I feel like I have to warn us a little bit about being prisoners of the moment here with Josh Sargent, right? Like a month and a half ago, this would have been an absurd topic to have Josh Sargent as your starter I mean, for the World Cup. Before the goals this season, you would have had him as your starter? I mean, Seb, how long have, I, how long have you been asking me about who's the, my favorite nine in the pool and how long mm -hmm. have I been saying Josh Sargent? The only thing that was missing from his games, or from his game, I should say, were the goals. He's added yep. that element. And I think there's something else to point out here. If we go back to the very beginning of qualifying, the first qualifier against El Salvador, he was a which should give us a pretty good window into what Greg Berhalter was thinking of his number nine position at the very, very beginning, before we actually saw anybody play in qualifiers, Josh Sargent was a starter. So we know Greg Berhalter likes what he has, and now if he's providing goals... I think it's a fair enough shout to start him. I love it. You're an agent of chaos here when it comes to the number nine. So let's see if he keeps scoring. By the way, up for Norwich next, Birmingham City. Again, the championship available for you on ESPN+. Plus. All right, let's go to the bench, Herc. Tell me about the two guys you want to take to Qatar, not as starters, but as options off the pine. All right. Uh, first one is going to be Jordan Pifak. Now, in my mind, it's Jordan Pifak, and then it's going to be Jesus Ferreira. But I'll, let me talk about Jordan Pifak quickly. In my mind... Pifak is in a head-to-head -head race with Haji Wright. I don't think both can go. They're, they're too similar. Uh, so I don't think Greg Berhalter will uh, burn a bullet right there, if you will. And Jordan Pifak is just the ultimate goal scorer. He's just so different in what he can produce and what he can bring onto the field. A different element, physicality, poacher in the box, good instinct. But he's adding this provider-type role to his game. We're seeing it with the goals and the assists that he's providing in Union Berlin. He seems to be more of a complete player now, or completing himself as a striker now in his combination play. So I add him. And then Jesus Ferreira. Now, I'm playing the man here a little with Jesus Ferreira when it comes to Greg Berhalter because this is a guy that Greg Berhalter values mm -hmm. and he likes very much. Interpretation of space, how he combines. He's just a different type of player if you're looking for possession, if you're looking for an outlet if you're looking somebody to be creative maybe even play a different position I think Jesus Ferreira uh, is going to take that over the other guys in the pool so it's kind of easy for me when it comes to Jesus it's a little bit more difficult when it comes to choosing Jordan or Haji Wrights but I'm going to go with Haji Wright or I'm sorry Jordan Pifak yeah when you talk about Pifak to me I I'm curious about the role like he's probably not going to end up as a starter right just based on the goals based on some of the the kind of physicality that you mentioned maybe late in the game you're thumping balls into the box what is he six foot three yeah it's a better target um so i see him as a super sub are you with me there that he's yeah, probably the guy he, coming off the bench it, he proved it against honduras in the uh, semi-final of the nations league scoring that game winner sending him to the final versus mexico 
He came on as a sub at the Azteca. He had a golden opportunity. I know he missed it, but he mm -hmm. was there. You have to assume he's going to make a lot more of those than he misses. It's just a player that I think offers a little bit more versatility. Okay, so, so PFOC is the super sub potentially, and then between Sargent and Ferreira for who you started. All right, let's get to the, the tough part of this, who you left off the team. You've told us a little bit about Haji, Haji Wright. Let's talk about Ricardo Pepe then. Let's start with him here because this is a guy who back in October was the no doubt, number one, scoring goals in qualifiers. And here we are, what, 70 days from November 9th when we find out we're going to get the roster in New York City, and you're telling me he's not on it. Yeah, and, and talk about a decision that probably blows up in your face. Um, do you leave to the Bundesliga? Absolutely, if you have the opportunity, because it's going to fast forward your career, accelerate your career, <clears throat> if you will, more than Major League Soccer will. But this is definitely a move that's not panned out the way that any of us thought, the way that Ricardo Pepe himself thought for sure, because he came on this very program and told us what he expected. And I'm sure coming off the bench or not playing at all, or sometimes needing the goal, not being the guy you look to was not in his plans. But this is also a guy that hasn't played very much with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, 10, 11 games with the U.S. men's national team. He doesn't have a wealth of experience. He's very young. He's 19 years old. His last goal for the U.S. men's national team, I believe, was were two goals back in October of last year. This is very much a guy that's on the outside uh, looking in right now in this U.S. men's national team nine pool, in this U.S. men's national team strikers pool. I, I don't think many people can argue that. Herc, this situation is fluid. We're surely going to revisit this list uh, in the coming weeks and months until the World Cup. Right now, who do you think has a better shot from the guys that you've caught, Pepe or Haji Wright, of climbing back into that top three? For me, it's Haji. Uh, but for Greg Berhalter, if I'm playing the man, I think it's Ricardo Pepe. Mm. Um, I, I think he just values Ricardo Pepe more and also probably feels a little indebted to Ricardo Pepe, offering that advice of going to Osberg, having that discussion of what it can do for him, of that being the club of choice for him. So I think he will exhaust all opportunities, mainly because he was there through the whole World Cup qualifying <clears throat> process. So he will exhaust those opportunities to Ricardo. But if you're Ricardo, you've got to be feeling a bit uneasy right now. And if the World Cup were today, he wouldn't be on that flight. All right. For more on Ricardo Pepe Herc, why don't we check in on Derek Ray's Twitter, an invaluable source for the latest happenings in the German footballing press. Derek telling us that Augsburg are hoping to sign another striker before the transfer window closes. He also shares here that uh, Kicker rated Pepe a five out of six, the worst out of anyone on the pitch for his performance over the weekend. So uh, let's focus on the impending transfer here of another striker, Herc. If you were in Pepe's shoes, how would you feel about your club situation? Forget about the national team, just about your status at Augsburg. I would be praying this isn't true if I was Ricardo hmm. Pepe. You're in a situation right now where you're already on the outside looking in on the national team. Now you're on the outside looking in at Osberg because they want to bring another striker because what they need, goals, you're not providing and you're a young player. So they don't necessarily feel you can get them out of that even though they spent the money for you. If you want to get back in the national team picture, what you do at Osberg is very important. Not because Sebastian Salazar says it or because I say it, because Greg Berhalter said he will go with a hot hand when it comes to the nine position. And if that's true, if there's any truth to that, the coldest one of all right now is Ricardo Pepe. So you have to be praying right now that this doesn't happen. So you stay in the lineup. So you earn your place week in, week out. Then you get yourself going with the goal. And then another goal. And then another goal. Because we've talked about September last year, last club goal. October last year, last time he scored for the U.S. men's national team. It's been a while. It's almost going to be a year since he scored. Seven. 
as a forward, that does something to your psyche. You need to score goals. If we've learned anything about Ricardo Pepe, is that mentally he was strong. Mentally he was about getting himself going. That version of Ricardo Pepe. This version of Ricardo Pepe, in order to become mentally strong again, in order to get himself going, needs to be on the field and stay on the field and score some goals. Look, even if it isn't this transfer window, I got to think that his days at Augsburg are, are numbered. You know, they're starting to play with two forwards. Most of their games so far this season, they've played with two forwards. And he's still not starting, Herc. So that means he's third right now. And they're going to add another striker. He's going to be fourth. One of the things we heard about Greg Berhalter when he talked about players moving abroad is you need to know what your reserve options are. If he goes down and has to play for FC Augsburg too, that's the fourth tier of German football. It's under 23. There are no real reserve option minutes available to him that's going to keep him fit and in shape for any type of World Cup or even keep his career, Herc. I don't think moving in the right direction. So whether they bring in a player or not, it's still not a great fit at Augsburg. And I think we all have to look back to that time on this show when Jurgen Klinsmann told us, and I, I got to remember when he said it, I laughed internally. I said, oh, man, people are going to jump down Jurgen's throat for this. The idea that you should stay at FC Dallas and not go to Augsburg. Man, he was 100% right. This has really, really not worked out for Ricardo Pepe. And I don't, I don't think it's going to work out, Herc. I don't even think if he, if he lasts this window there, which it seems like he will, that the future's bright for him with this team. Yeah. I don't know if Jurgen was advocating for a stay at FC Dallas. He was just saying, be careful where you go because it's a World Cup year and he couldn't have been more right. Yep, there you have it. Uh, Ricardo Pepe from number one in the depth chart last fall and now not even in the top three. Let's talk defense. Tim Ream, Herc, one of your favorites, played for Fulham in a 2-1 loss to Arsenal over the weekend. Some part of this makes me think our producer, Beto, who's a huge Arsenal fan, just wanted to get this highlight in. Tim Ream did captain Fulham, played 88 minutes. He started off four Premier League games for Fulham so far this season, who sit 11th in the table. Herc, we got a couple friendlies coming up for the U.S. in September. Should Greg Berhalter call up Ream for those September matches? I don't know. No. Because if he did, it would be a huge contradiction to what Greg Berhalter has stated to us. To mm -hmm. what Greg Berhalter has said. Tim Ream is going to be 35 in October. Mm -hmm. If Tim Ream steps into these qualifiers, then everything that Greg Berhalter has ever said about John Brooks is a lie. You throw out the window. He was on this very program and told us John Brooks can't be part of the setup. He's not part of the setup because he can't play in a high line. He doesn't mm -hmm. do well in isolation. What do you think a 35-year-old Tim Ream is going to do in a high line, in isolation? It makes no sense. And also, it's four games of the Premier League season. Where was everybody last year when he was playing in the championship? When he was 34 years old? Why wasn't everybody clamoring to get him on then? What's going on now? Listen, do people not last realize... Last year when he was in the championship, he was actually still getting called into the national team. No, 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 yes. no. no. The last Fall time of he 2021. Got in, yes. Listen, last time he was called in was the first window of the World Cup qualifying Sorry. cycle. He's in the Premier League this year. Now he's a Premier League starter. Now he's a Premier League captain, Herc. So you're telling me, Seb, <clears throat> you've got no, you got no issue with Greg Berhalter coming on this show and saying John Brooks cannot play because he doesn't do well in the I think line. John Brooks and Tim Ream are different players, Herc. How and so? I think he's, How so? They're different players. How so? Clearly, How clearly. So? he's just the question. They're different players. They're both two left-footed center backs that are good in possession, that according to Greg Verhalter can't play in a high line, aren't very mobile, don't do well in isolation, but you're You're saying that. You're saying that. Greg no, Verhalter hasn't said different? Tim Ream can't play in how a high line. How are they line. different? 
Do you remember the last time we saw Tim Ream at the international level? I will mm -hmm. tell you when the last time we saw him. Diego Linus coming out as a sub and retiring him from international football. That's the last time we saw him. Now, you want to all of a sudden, because it makes a little noise on Twitter, get him back on the national team? That's what you want to do? Aaron Long is not playing well in Who's Major League Soccer, but we can consider Aaron Long for, for the Aaron job Long? next to Walker Long Zimmerman. Yeah, he Why may well okay? be. He Why may well okay? be next to Walker Why Zimmerman. Why is it okay? Why is it okay for the mantra to be, get all these old heads out? Let the kids play. That's the mantra with Greg Berhalter has been with this system, has been mm -hmm. with this program. Mm -hmm. But you want to bring back a 35-year-old Tim Ream. Look at the ageism here on this show. Ageism, Herc. That's Don't center back. To I like a little experience the in my center backs. You got a, a left-footed player. What, what, what experience is that? You got a you got a left-footed player. You got a guy that can play in, in with two center backs. You got a How guy that can World play Cups? with three because center backs. Because the guy backs. who scored in the 2014 World Cup is home because he's too slow and doesn't do well in a back line, a high back line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think Greg Berhalter trusts John Brooks. I don't know that that's the same for Tim Ream. And so I think if Tim Ream is well, good enough to start the Premier players. League right now, the United States, especially at center back, Herc, where nothing is settled, nothing is truly settled, has to take a look at a guy. You cannot have a guy starting in the Premier League be the U.S. men's national team, look at the center back position as it is, and say Answer we're not going to at least question, kick the tires Sam. on this Answer guy. Answer the question. You What's provided question? it. You, you provided it. They're Different players. How are they different? John Brooks they're, and Tim Ream. They're different players. I, Greg Berhalter would tell you that they're different players. Oh, no, you said players. they're different players. I do. I do. They're different players. He evaluates them differently. Clearly, he doesn't trust John Brooks. I don't, I don't believe that he's going to call John Brooks in again. I think Tim Ream he might trust still. Let's, let's see what happens. Recency let's bias what is happens. what you were talking about, right? All right. Go on to the next. Oh, okay. He's the producer of the show now, too, as well, apparently. Also from our Fulham Arsenal game, how about the 1v1 matchup we saw between Anthony Robinson and Bukayo Saka? Saka playing on the right wing, Anthony Robinson at left back. Herc, it could be an England-USA World Cup preview. If it is, just how confident are you in the man they call Jedi to lock down Bukayo Saka? Well, here's the thing. Uh, you switch off on Saka, he's going to make you pay. Maybe not himself mm -hmm. with scoring, but as we saw in the Odegaard goal, uh, him playing that ball through when Anthony Robinson switched off, and it hurts your team. But Anthony Robinson has been so good for the U.S. men's national team this cycle, so important for the U.S. men's national team this cycle, not just defensively, but offensively. What he can provide up and down the left-hand side that I feel fairly confident. The thing is, this game, more than anything, could have been a direct representation of U.S. men's national team versus England that we will see in the World Cup. In the way they played. In the way both teams were set up. Not tactically, but in the, you know that Arsenal is going to have the lion's share of the play. You know that they will have their moments in transition, but can also be hurt in transition. And that's what we saw. But when you turn off for one second with the amount of talent England's going to have, and it's not just Bukayo Saka, it's not just Foden, it's not just Grealish, it's not just Kane, it's not just Sterling. I mean, you can go on and on and on, the plethora, pick your poison type of list here that you can't switch off. And that's what I thought of in this moment. They were constantly attacking Anthony Robinson's side with Tim Ream next to him because Anthony Robinson loves to attack. He will leave some spaces, so you've got to go at a guy like that. And when they did, I thought for the majority of time, he did, he did well, and he did well to cover uh, Bakayo Saka. But when you don't, that one time you don't, you're hurt, and that's the goal. So uh, Saka played on the right wing in this game. The last time he played for England, he actually played on the left wing. So it might be a uh, Saka versus Dest 
matchup come the World Cup. The other player who you find out on the right for Sterling, one of those players you mentioned in that plethora is Sterling. Uh, who are you more worried about, Saka or Sterling? Who would you, who would you rather face less? Sterling probably just because he's proven it. Um, Bakayo Saka is so young and Sterling... <laughs> A wealth of experience in the best teams in the world uh, for England. He's a guy that can hurt you in multiple ways, coming inside, outside with pace. Uh, he's just, I think, more of a factor any way you slice it. All right, so we're kind of penciling in then Anthony Robinson and Serginho Des as your potential starting outside backs at the World Cup. However, there could be another name entering the mix. Joe Scally played over the weekend for Borussia Mönchengladbach, who uh, played Bayern Munich to a 1-1 draw. The big story in this one, Herc, 19 saves, count them, 19 saves for Gladbach goalie Jan Sommer. Uh, Scali did get the start, played all 90 minutes at right back. First half went up against uh, Sadio Mane and Leroy Sané out there at the right back position. And then coming off the bench in the second half, oh yeah, no big deal, just Serge Gnabry. So uh, a pretty good day at the office then for Borussia Mönchengladbach and Joe Scali as they pick up a point against the defending champions Bayern Munich. There's a look at his heat map and those tough, tough matchups against Bayern Munich. All right, well, speaking of tough matchups, none of them tougher than the one-on-one -on -one he had last week when Joe Scally had to go one-on-one -on -one against me. Here it is, our interview from Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Our next guest here on Football America is Joe Scally of Borussia Mönchengladbach at the U.S. men's national team. Joe, how you doing? Good. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good. I think the last time we had you, I asked you how your German was. So a year later, how's it coming along? Uh, it's bisschen better. It's a little bit better, but uh, you know, I, I do it. I do it good. I, I learn. I get better, and then you know, then I stop. I stop reading my books, and then it all goes away again. So when I was home in the summer, I stopped reading, and I feel like I'm back on level one again. How important is that as you try and acclimate not just to a new league, but uh, to a new culture as well? Yeah, I think the culture part is more more difficult because, you know, when you go out on the street, you go to a grocery store or something, it's, you know, they speak German, whereas when I'm with my team, everyone speaks English. So I think that's the, you know, the most difficult thing is more the living, not so much the playing. So I think for the living part, I need to learn it. On the field, I wonder what the biggest jump is or difference is this year for you compared to last year. Yeah, I think this year, I just feel, uh, I feel more confident. I feel more comfortable. Last year was all... Uh, new to me like I was just you know thrown in and everything was brand new it was kind of like my first real professional professional games because in New York you know I didn't play much so here it was just right off the bat and uh, yeah this year uh, I've gained more experience I feel more comfortable more confident and just been taking it into the games. What is it about you in fast starts because even last year you know you settled right in you immediately made an impact and then you kept your spot for a long time same thing seems to be happening this year, is it something in the mentality about kind of making sure that you get the season off to a, to a proper start? I think, uh, you know, I've always benefited from, I feel like, time off from playing. So every preseason, I feel like I've always came in sharp and, and ready. And, you know, first impression sometimes I feel like is the best impression. So I always knew that. And I always give it my all every game throughout the season. I think just in the beginning, you know, you feel more regener regenerated, uh, rejuvenated, not regenerated, and more fresh. So, uh that's how, that's how I always feel, and, you know, I always just come out uh, on fire. What was this offseason like for you? Because it's obviously a, a time without club soccer, but there's so much else happening around. Like, how do you spend that offseason, and what are you kind of building up towards? 
yeah, this off season, you know, the team had five weeks off. We were with the national team for three weeks. So that was very nice, you know, a change of scenery to be with a bunch of American guys, everyone speaking English and, you know, everyone in similar age range. So that was very nice. And then after that, I had another two weeks off, uh, just went on vacation and, and enjoyed it with my family. So it was awesome. Let's look back at last season, because I think you must have started for 17, 18 games before you got COVID, and that kind of cost you the starting spot. What was it like going through that and, and kind of seeing that you, you had a place locked down in the team and losing it almost not for performance base, but like something off field? Yeah. I mean, I think it was just, it was unlucky, you know, the way I lost it. It was unfortunate, but, you know, Corona happened. I went home. I, I enjoyed my time. I wasn't going to let uh, things stop me from seeing family or anything like that. And it was just unfortunate. You know, my, my mom got it somehow, and then I, I think I got it. So just unfortunate things, but I still had a great time at home, was able to see my family and do everything I wanted. So I was very happy about that. And then came back, and like I said, unfortunate things happened. I, I didn't really lose it because of playing. I thought, you know, I was playing very well in, in the first half of the season. You know, I showed what I was able to do off the bat and kept it consistent with, you know, a couple of, a couple of bumps in the road where I didn't have a, such a good game or, you know, a good a couple minutes in, in a game. But, you know, this year I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping uh, to stay stable, stay consistent, and, and have a great season. Is there any place where you specifically feel like you've grown in your game from last season? Yeah, I would say last season my attacking game was was my main part of my game and defending. Maybe there were some shaky moments, whereas this year now I'm in a back four rather than a back five, so my positioning needs to be perfect. I need to be focused all 90 minutes, and I think the first couple of games uh, I've showed that. I've showed my focus, showed my positioning, and uh, I'm just going to keep watching film and, and improving on that. What do you like more, playing the wing back or playing the outside back in a back four? If I'm assuming if you like the attacking part of it, that, that wing back yeah. role can be fun, right? Yeah, wing back is definitely fun. You know, you could join the attack and stay all the way up, and the defensive liabilities is not so much. So back five is always nice, but to play in a back four, you know, you can really see uh, what you can do defensively, and I think the defensive side is just as cool as the attacking side, whether it's, you know, positioning your body, defending a long ball, defending a 1v1. It's You celebrate those tackles the same way you celebrate a goal. So both of them have their advantages and disadvantages, but I like them both. So if you're an outside back and someone says, all right, we got to work on your attacking, it's it's like pretty obvious, right? You can work on your speed. You can work on the consistency of your cross, yeah. maybe your shot. If they say you got to work on your defending, how do you go about that? Yeah, I always found myself a good 1v1 defender because um, I'm very athletic. I'm fast. I'm big. So I think when people say that, they, they think my positioning is off where I don't necessarily think it's off because I think with some things I can I can catch up with my speed if if I'm off by – you know, uh, three yards, something like this. But this year I've been really uh, working on my spacing with my center back, with my winger, and, and just trying to, to control my area. And I think uh, it's been going well so far. How much of that just comes down to, like, working with the same people every week? Yeah, that definitely helps. Having chemistry with your with your center back, with your winger, with your midfield six, it, it all helps out because you know what their strengths and weaknesses are. They know what yours are. So they're always there to help you when – when something goes wrong, just as I'm there to cover my center back when he goes up for a header in case something goes wrong. So, you know, when you work with the same players every week, it, it helps you out a lot because you know what what the player can do next to you and, and where they struggle. We've seen you have success on both sides of a defensive line. Is, is there a side that, that you prefer more? My whole life I've been playing the, the right side. It's been these last uh, couple 
two years, I'd say, since I came to, to Gladbach, where I, I was tried at the left side with the second team where I for, when I first came and, you know, worked out great. Uh, I mean, I also like the left side. It's it's easier for me to cut in on my right foot, uh, you know, to, to look for a diagonal pass with my right and, you know, maybe even cut in and shoot. You know, that's always nice. But uh, the right side is where I've been playing my whole life. So this is uh, my more natural position. So you grow up your whole life playing on the side, and then you go to the Bundesliga, your first big pro chance, as you say, and they say, all right, we want to see if you can play left back. What was your reaction then? Yeah, I mean, the game before in the cup game, I played on the left, and uh, a lot of preseason I played on the left. So I was feeling confident. I was feeling uh, like that where I, that's where I was going to play. So I wasn't so stressed out, wasn't so nervous about the position, more about you know the opponent I'm facing and, and my debut. So that's what I was more concerned on. It wasn't really whether I'm playing right or left. So that didn't really come to my mind. So beyond like the Bundesliga debut when you first play on the left, like the first times that you're with Gladbach and they ask you to play on the left, was that daunting? Yeah, I was. It was a little, uh, you know, different for me. Uh, I've never really played the left, but it's not so much different. Of course, when you start to play more and more, you realize the differences, whether it's body shape, receiving the ball. But uh, when I first came with the second team, we played more of where I would come in as an inverted right uh, left back. So I'd play more in the middle, which is even what I did on the right side when I played with New York. So it wasn't so different. I even found it easier sometimes to play on the left with attacking and opening up. Just the defensive side was what I needed to to shift my body towards. Whether it's the national team or whether it's the club level, like how important is it to have that versatility in your bag? You know, we know how tough it is to fight for minutes, for spots on the bench and the game day lineup. You know, when you can play both, what kind of doors does that open for you? Yeah, the more positions you can play, the more opportunities you're going to get in the game or to get uh, playing time. So if I'm able to play the right, if I'm able to play the left, I mean, that's two more positions that, that someone who only can play one position can play. And if I'm able to keep doing that, uh, you know, makes me happy. It just shows that I can get more minutes on the field. And you know, I'm happy that a coach can trust me in both positions. Let's talk Gladbach. What are the biggest differences you see in the team from this year to last? I mean, right off the bat, I think our, our confidence, it's, you know, our confidence is so high. We feel like we're going to go into a game and we're going to win. Where last year, you know, it was shaky weather. We were home away. We, we didn't know what was going to happen. So this year, it's like... You can even see it with our last game against Hertha Berlin. We were up 1-0. And uh, last game, maybe that was a game where we tie or, or even lose. But this game, we, we stayed focused. We stayed strong and, and held out the win. So I think these little confidence boosters that the coach is giving us that, that everyone has at the moment is, is really helping us. What are the team's goals? Like, What do you see as a, as a realistic expectation for this season for Gladbach in the Bundesliga? Yeah, it's, it's the same as I said last year in the beginning. We, we want to play European soccer. We want to whether it's Champions League, Europe League, we want to, you know, play. We deserve to play there two years ago, made it out of the group stage in Champions League in the round of 16. So, you know, this is where where we deserve to be. This is where I think we can be. And we have the players and quality to, to make it there. We always focus on the Bundesliga. We look right at the top at Bayern Munich. You know, what is it going to take for you guys or somebody else to, to chase them down, you think? I think it's consistency. You know, you look at a team like Bayern, they, they go in and it feels like, you know, that they're they're going to win whether it's uh, home or away. So I think that's what the, the other teams in the Bundesliga, you need to feel that. You need to feel like when you go away, you're going to win. When you're home, you're going to win. So our team right now, we feel that. We feel very strong, very confident. We know 
know, teams like Leverkusen, Leipzig, these are Dortmund, all strong teams. And, and if we stay consistent, we keep getting points home and away, I think, uh, you know, all teams have, have a chance. What would it mean for you to be part of a group that clinches a European spot, whether it's Europa League, whether it's Champions League for, for Gladbach? Because that'd be quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, you watch the Champions League, Europa League growing up, you know, I was before this, I was looking at the the draw of the Champions League. So, you know, you just want your team to be there. You want to play in this. You want to hear the song, you know, on a Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday night, whatever it is. And, you know, that's what it's all about. All right, let's talk national team, man. We only got a few months to the World Cup. How close do you feel to the roster for Qatar? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope if I keep putting in uh, these performances, these starts that, you know, I'm able to go. September is another camp. Hopefully uh, I get picked and, and I can show again what I can do, whether it's on the right or the left. Also, I think my versatility for that will, is a big is a big help for me, that I can play both. And, you know, I'm just going to put in strong performances and, you know, it's a dream. A World Cup, it's the biggest stage and everyone in the world watches. So I hope so. How was your summer spent with the national team? And, and maybe how does that make you think about the, the upcoming World Cup and your chances to make the squad? My trainings, my, my first game was, was very good. Every training I was consistent. I was performing very well. You know, I had a good game against Morocco, Uruguay. It, it wasn't so good. You know, it was a, a, a little shaky, but, you know, I, I learned on these performances and, you know, the next day in training, I wasn't down. I, I kept showing my, my consistency in the way I play and what I can do. So, you know, I was happy with the way I played. I think I was able to go out and have a, a nice summer, you know, with a smile and not really thinking about I could have did something better. So I was I was very happy. How would you describe the difference in what an outside back is asked to do at Gladbach and, and what you're asked to do under Greg Berhalter's system with the national team? Yeah, with Uruguay, it was, it was a little different. In the beginning, I, I started high. Uh, that was kind of the same what I did with, with Gladbach, where I was a wing back and I started high. And then towards the, the middle of the first half in the middle of the game, I was more coming in as a center back. It was, it was a little different. Uh, but, you know, we worked on it in training and... Uh, no, it was new to me a little bit, but I was able to, to catch up with it quickly. And, you know, then it's then it's all the same with the flow of the game. You know, I'm an outside back, so I'm going to have to defend the same way. I'm going to have to defend a cross, defend a long ball, and then build up and have to do the same thing. I have my same options, opening up with the left, with the right foot. And, you know, there are some differences, but in the end, it's it's soccer and the flow of the game. Things change. So I like the idea of you out on the left getting to cut in on your right. How's, how's your shot from distance? Is that something that like you're trying to work into your game? Because if you're playing on the left, I'd imagine that's something that you could provide, right? In training, sometimes it looks good. In the game, sometimes it looks like I'm shooting a field goal. So I think I need to, I need to work on that a little bit more and uh, you know, get that confidence and, and really just, just let it go. So sometimes in training, you know, it's far down. And then I get into the game, it's a field goal. So once I get a get it going and get the confidence to, to keep doing it, I think uh, some will look pretty good. You talk about confidence. There was a time when the discussion around the U.S. national team was kind of negative. You know, you go back to 2017, failing to qualify for the World Cup. Now we got players like yourselves, a lot of other guys who scattered all over big clubs in Europe. What was the vibe around the team when you got back into it this summer? Yeah, I always tell you, I mean, this was the, the best group of guys to, to ever join. I mean, Everyone welcomes you, whether you're a new player, or old player, everyone's, you know, similar age, everyone has similar, you know, things they like, similar just life experiences. So, you know, this group is like, it's like a brotherhood. Everyone's a family and, you know, everyone's there for each other. We're all full confidence. We're all, you know, in our heads, like, you know, we can really, we can really do something. We can really show the world what we can do. So 
when we all have each other's backs, I think, you know, it's, it's tough to stop us. I feel like there's a lot of connection and chemistry based on just time spent together at like youth national team level. Is that fair to say? And like, how does that impact the team now at the, at the senior level? I definitely think it's, it's fair to say, like you said, uh, you know, with we with me here at Gladbach being close with my center back and winger, just like everyone on the team is close because, you know, we've had spent six years, some guys six years together with the youth. I've played with, with Gio for about seven years now, George Bello, five, Gianluca. So all these guys, when, when you know what they can do, it just helps everyone out. When you when these guys are your friends, you know, it makes it fun to play on the field. You know, when you're, when you're playing with your friend or, you know, with, with people, you know, you look at as family, it's, you know, you do everything you can for them. I know it's the only experience you've had, so maybe it's a bit of an unfair question, but we just see so many Americans in the Bundesliga. Is the Bundesliga the best place? Like, if you were going to give an American kid advice on, on where to, to try and launch their career, would you say, hey, come to Germany? This is the spot. I definitely think it's it's a great league for young Americans. There's so many players who've proved themselves here from from the U.S. and have gone on to do great things. Like, you know, Pulisic started at Dortmund, now he's at Chelsea. You know, Gio's doing great in, in Dortmund, you know. So I think Weston played for Schalke and now is at Juventus. It's it's a place where players have proved themselves and gone on to do uh, you know great things and play for great clubs. So and for me, it's worked out great. So so if anyone wants to come over, I definitely highly recommend it. So I know you're focused on on trying to make the U.S. World Cup squad, but let's look at the group that the U.S. has. Uh, what do you think of the group for for the United States, the World Cup, and, and the team's chances? Yeah, I, I always see Greg talking about that. It's two separate tournaments with the group stage, and then after that, it's knockout and anything happens. So, you know, the group's a good group. It's a strong group. England, of course, is, you know, the team that, that stands out with all the quality players they have. But, you know, the team we have, it, it also has qualities that, that match up to theirs. So we, of course, want to get out of the group, and whatever happens after that, it's, you know, it's a knockout game. I'm sure you've looked at the schedule. I'm sure you know that England game is on Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving here in the United States. Like how much, how excited are you about potentially being a part of that? Because that, that could be a really special moment, I feel like, in, in American soccer history. Definitely. I always, I mean, I feel like it's going to be the most, you know, watched game in, in American history in any sport. You know, the day after everyone's off from work, everyone's, you know, stuff from Thanksgiving dinner, just wants to lay on the couch and relax. So I think everyone's going to be watching that game, you know. And to win, that would be something something special for all the American uh, people, all the American citizens to to be sitting on the couch after Thanksgiving, after football's over, now to watch some soccer and just really enjoy it. It seems like the competition for places in the team is is very intense. And, you know, we have conversations like this with a lot of y'all. And, and one of the things I ask, it comes up a lot actually with the forwards, is like there's such a dogfight to the competition how do you focus on club? You know, it's almost like you have to score a goal every week. It's different for an outside back, right? You can't score a goal and kind of say, hey, this was my, this was my great game. How, how do you focus in on the week-to-week -week performances, also knowing that there is a bigger picture? You're, you're trying to impress somebody, you know, for a big ticket, you know, come November. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you can feel the tenseness, you know. Every week, of course, you give 100% no matter what. But this year, you know, it's like everyone's giving that 110% just to get that that extra edge on on someone that they're competing with to get that roster spot. So, you know, it's great. I mean, I think, you know, everyone in, in our team, you can tell who's, whose country is in a World Cup. You know, they're so focused every training, every game. It's like, you know, it's everyone wants to be there. Like I've, everyone always said, everyone wants to be at a World Cup. So every week, these 90 minutes, 
everyone's giving everything they have just to just to show what they can do for the team. But, you know, the bigger picture, what they can do uh, for their country in a World Cup. One of the things we know about the U.S. manager, Greg Berhalter, is he's pretty big on communication, right? Telling you guys exactly kind of what he wants, what he needs, what has to happen for you to get, whether it's a spot in the team, spot in the lineup, whatever. What are the conversations like with him? What's the message that you're getting from the, the technical staff on the U.S. side? Yeah, it's very positive. You know, from my last camp, from my first camp, it's, you know, it's very positive. He's, he's told me, you know, what to do when I first came in as a you know, left back, right back, when we trained, you know, what he likes to see, what he wants from his outside back. So I've just been trying to implement it in my, in my game here, showing him what I can do. And, and when I was with the national team, trying to show what I can do. So, you know, it's very positive. And, you know, I'm hoping that since my versatility playing right and left is very good, that, uh, you know, hopes me, it gets me a spot on the team. All right, there he is, Joe Scally. Going to make the most of it. Appreciate your time here on Football Americas. Good luck the rest of the season with Gladback. Thank you. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Great to talk to Joe Scally. Appreciate our friends over at Borussia Mönchengladbach for their help setting up the interview. There you see his stats so far this season. A reminder, you can catch the extended version of that interview in the ESPN FC podcast feed tomorrow. All right, Herc, what did you think of Joe Scally, our chat with the young right back, also left back, and his uh, potential chances for making the World Cup squad? I think people shouldn't write off a 19-year-old kid for a bad game or a bad camp with the U.S. men's national team, especially with such a weakened outside back pool, right and left for the U.S. men's national team, a player who's playing consistently both right and left back in the Bundesliga, playing his trade against some of the best players in the world. I think Joe Scali has talent. I think he could offer a lot, so I wouldn't write him off so fast. I wouldn't write him off. I think he's going to make the team. Honestly, if, you, if I had to make a yes or no bet right now, that versatility, like you said, the, the issues at outside back, Serginho Dest right now, we don't know where, if he's going to be playing in the buildup to this World Cup. So, yeah, man, I think Joe Scally, if he continues to play at Gladbach and they p- continue to play well, I think he's got a pretty good shot to make the team to Qatar. All right, uh, speaking of which, you can always watch the Bundesliga on ESPN+. Plus. You can catch Jordan P. Fox Union Berlin against the Decade-long defending champions in Bayern Munich. That game Saturday on ESPN Plus. Your home for the Bundesliga all season long. All right, Herc, let's turn our attention to the Mexican national team and its fashion. 
Drippin' or Trippin', Mexico releasing its away kit for the upcoming World Cup. The white top, green shorts, red socks, the jersey detail, what everybody is talking about. Pre-Columbian indigenous designs, kind of the baseline for it. Plus, we got the jacket as well, a reversible two-sided jacket to go along with it. Uh, Herc, everybody seems to be going wild for these things. I think uh, I think I don't care what it costs. I will pay. I will pay for it for sure. <laughs> no, it's dripping for sure. They knocked it out the park. Uh, they're yep. doing it well. I've not seen a. A jersey so inspiring for Mexico since mm. 94, the Aztec calendar one in that World 98. Cup. 98. 98, yes. Yeah, yeah. 94 had one as well, but 98 was more profound, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's been that long since I've really said that sounds out, that pops. It, it, it's dripping for sure. And congratulations, Mexico. First big win over the U.S. in, what, two years? Easy, well, yeah, steady, steady. Routed him on this one. Yeah, definitely a, uh, a drip. And I, I think the jacket is my first purchase. I love the jersey, but I think uh, I think the jacket is the most tripping thing. And I love both combinations because you get a true uh, tricolor now. We're going to have white, red, and green represented on uh, both of Mexico's kits in Qatar. All right, enough of the fashion talk. Let's get to the field. Run it back. Mexican national team style will start. In the Eredivisie, which of course you can watch on ESPN Plus, Santiago Jimenez with his first goal for Feyenoord. He Came made it look a lot easier than it was when you're in this position, especially first goal with your new club. A million different things pop in your mind. It didn't look like that. It looked instinctive. He got it. There you go. Oh, and an assist. And an assist came in a 4-0 win for Feyenoord over FC Emin. Let's hear what Santiago Jimenez had to say after his first goal for his new club. Estoy muy contento, primeramente porque otra vez eh, Dios es el, el que me da toda la gloria y yo se la doy a él porque sinceramente yo sin Dios no, no estaría aquí. La verdad es que le doy toda la gloria a él y la verdad es que eh, me encantó el apoyo de la afición y sobre todo la del equipo que siempre me dio la confianza, eh, me ayudó a adaptarme lo más rápido y, y gracias a Dios, como lo vuelvo a repetir, eh, pude marcar. Fue una noche soñada, como te digo, eh, uno confiando en Dios, eh, Dios siempre te responde de la mejor manera. Eh, estoy muy contento por eso, también sé que la asistencia por ahí fue un poco de casualidad, pero la verdad es que le agradezco a Dios, a toda la afición que, que corrió mi nombre, la verdad es que fue una noche soñada. Santiago Jimenez scores, so does Diego Lainez. No, this is not a drill. His first league goal since joining Braga comes in a 6-0 victory over Aruca in the Primera Liga. Yes, it was the sixth of the six goals on the day, but nevertheless, Diego Lainez has his first for Braga. Afterwards, the young Mexican had this to say. Bueno, la verdad que estoy muy fel muy feliz por mi primer gol. Fue algo muy bonito con el ambiente que, que tenían todos nuestros aficionados. La verdad que es algo inexplicable y todo el cariño sentido por ellos. La verdad que me hacen estar muy feliz de estar aquí en Braga. Pero estoy todavía más feliz por el desempeño del equipo. Hemos estado haciendo una, un principio de temporada muy bueno y esperemos seguir así. Que adaptándome muy bien con mis compañeros de equipo. Ellos me lo han hecho mucho más fácil con la calidad que hay en este plantel. Siempre es más fácil. Okay, Herc, time to check the mentions on every U.S. men's national team 
fan's favorite Twitter account. Days since Linez has scored, which at one point ran up over 1,400, his last coming back in his days with Las Aguilas of America. Yeah, legal. But now, zero days since, uh, I guess now, what, one day since Diego Linus last scored a league goal. All right, so a couple big goals then for Mexican internationals over the weekend. One for Diego Linus, one for Santiago Jimenez. Herc, which one should have Mexican national team fans more excited? Which is more important to El Tri? Diego Linus, and it's not even close. Uh, I mean, this man went almost four years without a league goal. Three years, eight months to be precise. So if anybody needed this injection of confidence, it was two people. Diego Linus, for what this goal means to him, get him going 80 some odd days before a World Cup. With Tecatito Corona injured and probably not going to the World Cup, it's an open competition, and you're in that competition. But there is no way Tata Martino will give you that chance to start unless you can prove it at the club level with Braga. So it starts here. Confidence number one for Diego Linus. Number two, confidence for Tata Martino. Because if you're going to take a chance on Diego Linus, if you were going to do it and have nobody raise questions, it's with performances like this. I don't care if it was a sixth goal. Get the monkey off your back. Score that goal. Because it was 1,407 days without a league goal. Now this gets him back mentally where he needs to be. This is the first, could be the first of many. Ride this wave, get yourself to the World Cup, your first World Cup, but not only to the World Cup, become the starter. Become that guy on the right-hand side that many think you can be. All right, big goal, big goal, no doubt. But if, my, if I'm looking at the Mexican national team and I've, I have areas of worry, the much bigger worry for me as a fan is still the number nine job. And I know you're going to tell me that Tata Martino has said Raul Jimenez has it locked down. But if I'm looking at wide attacking players who can provide offense, there's still guys like Chucky Lozano. There's still somebody like Alexis Vega who can provide you offense. If Diego Lainez isn't that guy, I have other options. Right now, Herc, I have zero faith Zero faith that Raul Jimenez will score goals in Qatar. And I know, I know what Tata Martino has said, that Raul Jimenez is going to be the guy. But I think Tata Martino has no choice. When he's asked about Raul Jimenez not scoring, he has to back that player. Here's the reality. If Santiago Jimenez is scoring goals in Europe, and Raul Jimenez is not scoring and has not scored for months and months and months on end, and we come to the World Cup, I have to believe that Tata Martino is a good enough coach, is not so stubborn and stuck in his ways to not consider starting this player. And beyond 2022, it's important for the national team's future, 2026 and beyond. Santiago Jimenez is a player for the future for Mexico. Him going to Feyenoord and starting to score early improves his chances of success, not only at Feyenoord, but also of a big move potentially beyond that. So when I think of the Mexican national team and you tell me there's a number nine that's going to start scoring in Europe, that is to me the most important goal over Diego Linus. Quickly, you're So wingers who are scoring goals for the Mexican in the Mexican pool. Mm-hmm. I, I say wingers who are capable no, of no, producing no, no. offense asking. for you. Who are they? I, there were well, none if you're right going to tell me it's Diego Linus, he scored one. Well, so you no, can't no, really no, put no, him no, as, a, no. as a guy because, that's scoring goals. You, you're talking please. about that production for Chucky Lozano has not scored. You're talking Alexis about production. Vega scored over the weekend. Yes, Chucky Lozano? A, a deflected, deflected freak. That's uh, fine. Here but, we go. But, <laughs> but here's the situation with the nines. You've got Henry Martin scoring. You had... Uh, Henry Martin's hurt. 
Hold on. You had him. No, he's not hurt. No, he's not. It's, it's precaution, okay? You had, you had Henry Martin scoring. Why, you is, he not playing? Why is he not playing on you Wednesday? He just then? scored against Mazatlan. You have Why is he Santi not playing Jimenez. on Wednesday? Is he hurt or not? Precaution. No, he's not hurt. It's precaution okay. because they don't want to okay. let him go. You want to make a bet? Can you let me talk? Santi Jimenez scoring, and he was scoring at Cruz Azul. Rogelio Funes Mori scoring before he got hurt. The scoring at the ninth <laughs> position is only an issue for Raul Jimenez. There are no wingers right now who are scoring. That's the issue with the Mexican national team. All right, let's see if anybody is assisting for the Mexican national team as we run it back now. Of course, the Eredivisie available as well on ESPN+. And that's where we find Eric Gutierrez, who picked up an assist in PSV's 6-1 win over Excelsior over the weekend. Not a lot of parody, huh? No, no, no. Uh, assist? Listen, good interception. Uh, tough touch. He was going to probably go by himself. It could have been his own goal, but landed to his teammate. Oh, that's Xavi Simmons there. All it right. is Xavi Simmons. Wasn't he a PSG? <clears throat> yes. No one point before that uh, Barcelona. Always interesting to see where they end up. Talented player. Getting assists from Eric Gutierrez. Elsewhere, Jorge Sanchez making his Eredivisie debut for Ajax. Came in in the 38th minute in a 2-0 win over Utrecht. Yeah, I I'm excited <clears throat> about Jorge Sanchez and how he can develop at Ajax, I think he's a trap player. Oh, what are you doing? What is he doing? He's supposed to be a right back. You okay? Jorge Sanchez from America <laughs> to Ajax. I'm getting choked up at all the uh, Mexican success in the Dutch <laughs> top flight. Speaking of, Edson Alvarez with a man of the match performance. I think he must have heard you mention that Tyler Adams was maybe in the running for best six in CONCACAF, and he said, not so fast, Hercules. That wasn't me who said that. Uh, you know I say Edson is the best six in CONCACAF, and there's a reason we're hearing reports that Newcastle's offering crazy mon money, over 40 million in a possible transfer. Mm, man, Ajax is getting rid of all their big stars. Could they afford to let uh, Edson go as well before the end of the transfer window? We shall wait and see. Speaking of ex-America Academy uh, products, Santiago Naveda with a goal and a red card uh, for Meats, I guess uh. we're saying that right, in Poland in a 2-1 win over Lechia. I guess we're covering leagues like the Polish League now, huh? Unlucky Whoa, for Freddy Adu. what do you got against the Polish Unlucky League, Unlucky for Freddy Adu. This show was around in 2015. Hating on the Polish League. All right. To our friends of Polish descent, that's Hercules Gomez, not Sebi. Rafa Marquez picks up his first win as manager of Barça Athletic, uh, Barça B. It comes in a 3-2 victory over Castellón. So congratulations to Rafa Marquez trying on his managerial hat after the victory. Here's what the Kaiser de Michoacán had to say about the W. Muy contento por el resultado al final. Yo creo que se trabajó eh, muy bien durante la pretemporada. El equipo mostró lo que veníamos haciendo. Eh, creo que eh, la actuación en general eh, nos merecíamos la, la victoria. Eh, tuvimos mucha posesión, el control incluso del, del partido. Contra un rival complicado y difícil, ¿no? en experiencia, en físico. Y, y bueno, la verdad es que contento con el rendimiento de, del equipo, de los cambios también ayudaron muchísimo también a, a, darle, a darle más fluidez a la circulación, a tener más llegada y, y bueno, yo creo que para el grupo, para mí es importante empezar con, un, con una victoria. 
More from the land of Mexican legends, Chicharito with a goal over the weekend for the LA Galaxy against New England, but heard everybody talking about the assist from Ricky Puch. Yeah, it's a good little assist from Chicharito right there. Uh, great through ball, but watch. The, oh, this is still the same through ball. Uh, good little through ball by Chicharito. For those who say he's only a goal scorer, got a little vision in him too, but it's the goals, right? And this through ball by Ricky Puch. I mean, got it like on a little half-turn volley and then on the left foot, Chicharito does the rest, celebrating. It's a good little cut right here, eliminates the center back, left-footed finish. Picked up an assist, that's his second of the season, picked up a goal, that's his 12th of the season in 24 games played. Chicharito and the Galaxy back in action on Wednesday against Toronto FC, red-hot Toronto FC. That one kicks off 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets, but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Let's keep on the MLS train here with the good, bad, and ugly. We'll start with the good, Herc, the Philadelphia Union, who beat the Colorado Rapids Six to nothing on Saturday, a week after beating DC United by the same score, which makes me feel a whole lot better about just how bad DC United is. A look at Philly's last four games. They've outscored their opponents 16 to two. And for the fourth time in their last 10 matches, Herc, the Philadelphia Union have scored six or more goals. Wild, the attacking prowess Philly is showing right now. But the question is, Herc, are the Philadelphia Union actually MLS Cup favorites? What say you? Yeah, they're MLS Cup favorites, especially out of the East. Um, maybe out of the West, unless Austin or LAFC has something to say about that. But mm -hmm. East LA, it's, uh, excuse me, uh, Philadelphia Union, uh, absolutely. They're dropping TDs on teams like it's no joke. Uh, they've only lost four games all season. They got Daniel Gazdak played an MVP level. He's got 16 goals, eight assists. Uh, you're getting Andre Blake in that defensive line, only 20 goals against uh, at an all-time level. One of the both, or one of the best defensive efforts in, in league history. They're on pace for that. Uh, you're getting the best out of a veteran like Alejandro Bedoya. Uh, this team is firing on all cylinders. Jim, uh, excuse me, uh, Jim Curtin. 
just seems to be hitting all the right buttons at the right time. Everything's going their way. You look at the goals, you look at all these stats, goals against, you look at where they take place. Um, in MLS this season, they are by far the most impressive team right now in the East. And, and I think it's a three-horse race. You've got Philly, you've got Austin, you've got LAFC. Uh, but in the East, it's just Philly. Yeah. Uh, Gazdag, you mentioned double-digit goals. He's got 16. Julian Caranza, double digits as well. So they got, they got two guys that can beat you. They give up the fewest goals in Major League Soccer. They've scored the second most goals. They've got the best goal differential. All those statistics say they're pretty good. I mean, Philadelphia. And I look at the rest of the East. The best other teams in the East are Montreal that just lost Jordi Mihailovic. And New York City, we know all that they've lost. I look at the East, maybe the biggest threat is Toronto if they can make the playoffs, and that is still even much yeah. uh, a big if for Toronto Mon Montreal will still have Jordan Hollerich to the end of the season, but he's clearly not yes, been the yes. same player since that ankle injury, so yep. I know what you mean there. So Mihailovic and, uh, and Montreal, second place in the Eastern Conference. Maybe they will have a say. But what about out west? Because that's where we're going for the bad in LAFC, who lost 4-1, to one, Herc, to Austin, who you mentioned. The starting front three for LAFC in this game, by the way, Gareth Bale, Carlos Vela, and Chicho Arango. Arango, the only one of those three to score. This comes on the heels of another defeat. LAFC losing last week 2-1 against San Jose. How worried should LAFC fans be? Are we looking at another setup for a postseason collapse? <laughs> I mean... Listen, we said it last week, right, uh, that this could happen, that it's the big moment you need to look for. It's the big moment you need to watch for. Well, no bigger moment in regular season than this game uh, this past Friday on our network where Austin embarrassed LAFC. Uh, they've given up six goals in two games. And it's not just the last two games that they've lost that's been an issue. You remember that D.C. game midweek that they played here in Los yep, Angeles? Yep. That seemed Burbank red card. Uh, did DC United in, and they still had chances at goal. Hit the post a few times, were, were with 10 men getting behind the LAFC defense. It was still a worrisome uh, a trend or a worrisome moment in that game. So by my count, it's three games they've not played up to par. You get embarrassed by Austin. Uh, and what's worse here is in those three games, the midfield three, and the fun front three in every single game in the past three games has been different. There's been no consistency. And what you keep trying to do is you keep trying to mask over. And I shouldn't say mask over because before this, there weren't any problems. But you keep trying to pr bring in more players, more talent. And what you're doing is kind of stifling one talent, stifling a talent, I should say. And Opoku, who's having a very good season and all of a sudden is in and out of the lineup, can't find himself getting that consistent time or or, or look that he needed, uh, but you've got Teo, you've got Chiellini, you've got Bale, you've got Bolanga, you've got all these different players coming in, you just can't find that set 11, or you can't play with the set 11. And we talked about it last week here, and my take was it shouldn't hurt you. Uh, and Mal was saying if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix mm -hmm. it type of deal. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to lean towards a little bit there, especially, and I should have stated, I should have prefixed all this with Let's not take anything away from Austin FC. What Austin okay. did to LAFC, the way they embarrassed them, confirmed to me that out of the West, the road to MLS Cup goes through Austin. So credit to Austin first, and then we concentrate on LAFC. Okay, so what you're saying here really is that LAFC are not only no longer MLS Cup favorites, they're not even your favorites to get out of the Western Conference. You have now put Austin at the top of the list. They beat LAFC in Los Angeles. They humiliated LAFC in Austin. Hmm. I just think 
they're a team right now that's playing at another level. Um, and when they seem to play against LAFC, they seem mm. to figure mm. out the way. Sitting in, because they did sit in versus LAFC, exploiting uh, them in transition, really hurting them. I don't think – I think where this game's going to be lost is in that midfield. I don't think LAFC is strong enough in that midfield. All right. I watched the show when I wasn't here. All I heard about was these big expectations for LAFC on Football Americas. Sounds like you're setting them up for a fracaso. So we'll see what happens with the LAFC Fracaso's in the playoffs. What about ugly, Herc? What about ugly? It has to do with the referees. We go to the Hell is Real Derby between Columbus and FC Cincinnati. We've finished in a 2-2 two two tie, but we're focused on the first Columbus goal from Derek Etienne Jr., which looks to be offside. It is given, however, as a goal by not just the referee, Kevin Stott, but also by his VAR team. Afterwards, you can imagine, there were many people who were very upset about this. Perhaps nobody more upset than FC Cincinnati head coach, Pat Noonan, very much not happy. People are very interested in the, yeah. the first Columbus goal. Yeah. Do you have an opinion? Obviously a lot happened. They're interested because it's clear. That's why they're interested, is because this has happened to a point now where it's an embarrassment in our league. It's not just us. I will continue to say that. But it is a huge problem that guys that put in that much continue to get punished by just really, really poor officiating across the board. And, and the reasons you get for you know the offside goal, the checkpoint's different than what they see in Atlanta. How can the checkpoint be different? How do you not have that view? Or how can you not just look at it and say, I should check this? This is something that doesn't look right. But again, that's the norm. All right, Herc, we got shots fired. Are you with Pat Noonan, our MLS refs, embarrassing the league? They are embarrassing the league. And it wasn't just this game in Cincinnati. We saw it Seattle versus Portland. It's been going on throughout the season. These things happen. Uh, pro, uh, pro refereeing. Uh, has been an embarrassment. It's, it's a reality uh, how far behind, uh, so far behind that there's only going to be one center ref at the World Cup. So that's one thing. And I get the shots fired, but remind me what goal was this? This was the was first the goal. First, the first of four in the game. Okay, they scored another goal on you. And I understand where Pat Noonan's coming from. This game could probably end up two to one, right? But how many points have you lost from a position of advantage this season? That is the problem with Cincinnati, who you voted yes. as the wooden spoon. They would be in such a better position right yes, now yes. if they wouldn't be choking away these points. They wouldn't yeah. be letting th their, themselves down in these moments. Pro referees, these referees, these moments, VAR and embarrassment, yes, Pat Noonan, I am with you. Take your shot, take it well. But also, like your counterpart, Caleb Porter, a <clears throat> little accountability. Look yourself in the mirror right. and watch what you say sometimes there. Because this is, yeah. I get it. I get the ire. But also, mm. I'm with you on the Cincinnati frustration. This is a team that probably should be above the playoff line and aren't. They've tied three straight. They've drawn five of six. Uh, and they've given away a lot of points over that stretch. And right now, the team 14. that's ahead of them. 
And now the team that's ahead of them is Columbus, the team who they, you know, could have had three points against in this game. There's certainly some frustration. I think he has the right, though, to, to call out the referees. You saw the play with Pozuelo there, uh, Shades of the Young in the 2010 World Cup final. There was also a play, I don't know if you saw this, in the Atlanta United-DC United game. I know you never watched DC United, but there was just an obvious back pass to the Atlanta goalie, Rios Novo, and, and they yeah, don't call it. And it. It really is one of those where you're watching on TV and you're like, all right, how can I take this seriously? Uh, if we're going to be missing calls like that. Speaking of referees, Herc, a quick edition of You Got CONCACAF. This one coming from the National Women's Soccer League. Ifeona Onumanu scores a goal for Gotham FC. Or at least, I should say, appears to score a goal because she kicked the ball and then it went over the goal line, which as far as I know is a goal. However, inexplicably here, a goal is... Not only not given, a corner kick is given for this, Herc. A corner kick is given. Of course, there's no VAR in the NWSL. Gotham FC goes on to lose this game 3-1 to one to Angel City. Definitely, definitely, you got CONCACAF there in the NWSL. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Speaking of the NWSL, Washington Spirit have fired manager Chris Ward. They did that late last week after an incident at the team's training on Friday. Ward, who coached the Spirit to the league title last year, told The Athletic in an interview there wasn't any name-calling, belittling, or anything like that. It wasn't over the top from a language standpoint. End quote. Now, Washington played on Saturday, so one day after the dismissal against the Houston Dash. And afterwards, Washington Spirit captain Andy Sullivan gave the following statement contradicting what Ward had told The Athletic. Let's listen in. We would like to start off with a statement on behalf of the players. Um, firstly, we're frustrated that this is necessary given our history. Secondly, um, we are angered by Chris Ward's answers in the piece from The Athletic. We know the idiom that there are two sides to every story, uh, but that is simply not the case in this scenario. 
Um, we know his interview to be completely inaccurate. Recollection of a serious situation. Um, and furthermore, the apology offered to us last Friday demonstrates um, a misalignment in his words and his actions towards his team. The players fully support the decision of the club to relieve him of his duties as head coach. Um, and we have every intention of cooperating in a proper course of action um, as it relates to circumstances like this one. We will no longer take any questions regarding his dismissal um, or make any further comments on it at this time. All right, Herc, we've heard of a campionitis down in Liga Mekis, but I am hard-pressed to find a darker example of a team falling off after winning a championship than what we've seen in the last year with the Washington Spirit. Yeah, of epic proportions, right? Especially the way that everything happened last year, the fight with ownership, the way mm -hmm. that people rallied behind this team. And it was like worst-to-first type of scenario. It was like a yep. major league-type movie. They, they win... They, they, they're champions, and then they go to the Challenge Cup and even make it to the final. Yep. You've got U.S. Women's National Team players on your roster. It's star-studded, and the lone bright spot of the season is a win against O.L. Reign back in May. They've got one win all year, and now this happens. Ongoing investigation. We don't know what really happened. There's supposed to be a, a video. Let's see the video footage and go from there. But if we're talking on the field, you're going from a feel-good story, not just in, in NWSL, but all sports last season, to this. I, I just can't wrap my mind around this. Yeah, and now in 12 months, you've got two coaches that you've had to dismiss for basically how they treat players, right? And that's happened under two different ownership groups now, right? Steve Baldwin was criticized heavily. Michelle Kang took over. This is now under her watch. So uh, it's really, really upsetting for somebody who has not had a lot to root for as a D.C. soccer fan with D.C. United. The spirit was the best story in town, man, last year. And you're right to mention all the talent they have. They have this incredible young base of U.S. women's national team potential future superstars. They just signed Trinity Rodman to a long-term deal. But if I'm Ashley Hatch, if I'm Ashley Sanchez, even if I'm Trinity Rodman, at some point, Andy Sullivan, put her in the mix. You have to ask if this is really the best place for your career. If yeah. what you're doing and where you're trying to go is the Washington Spirit organization capable of setting up a situation around me that's going to get me where I need to go. And right now, based on what we've seen, no, I don't think the Washington Spirit can do it. Last word to you, quickly. No, I agree with you. And you talk about that talent, five players on the initial roster versus Nigeria, five Washington Spirit players, a lot of Washington, D.C. ties there. It just blows my mind. And this Chris Ward interview, uh, mm -hmm. there are two sides to every story, yes. But how out of touch must you be to say you don't think you lost a locker room and in the very same breath the next day, here you go, the uh, captain and the goalkeeper right behind it, you lost a locker room. Yeah, encourage everybody to uh, check out the piece in its entirety, the full interview from Chris Ward there in The Athletic. Speaking of the Washington Spirit, Ashley Hatch did have herself a good weekend. Let's check in in this version of NWSL Run It Back. She had two goals in three minutes, Herc, as the uh, Spirit, as we mentioned, drew 2-2 against the Houston Dash, who don't look now or second place in the table. Championship football! Look at this, man, champagne football. Look at that back here right there. Give it back to her, pace down the wing. Good little through ball right there, finish it off. This is what gets you excited about the Washington Spirit. Sanchez, Rodman, Hatch. Yeah, that trio, pretty exciting. Hatch with a brace, uh, but in the end, the 
winless streak for the Washington Spirit continues. Herc, as you mentioned, no wins since back in May. One for the entirety of the NWSL season. Mallory Pugh having herself a season. Two goals and two assists as Chicago beat Racing Louisville 4 nothing. What a touch on that goal, huh? And then two assists. What, she had eight goals already right now? Hey, listen, can somebody get a close-up of my shirt? Because I need Sebi's gold claw right now on my shirt. That's right. Pew, pew, pew! <laughs> I know we uh, kind of penciled in Alex Morgan as the MVP, but Mallory Pugh oh, it's up starting to make a case as well. She has two goals and two assists for the Chicago Red Stars. They destroy Louisville in a 4-0 win over the weekend. The aforementioned Alex Morgan also on the score sheet. Her 13th goal of the season. She is indeed the league leader. San Diego beats Portland 2-0 over the weekend. By the way, second place in the Golden Boot race, Diana Ordonez. Rookie She's got year. 11. As a rookie. It's insane. You know what I was doing my rookie year? Trying to get on the field. <laughs> Didn't you win an Open Cup? Give yourself some credit, young Yeah, Hercules. that was later on. Okay. Not my rookie year, definitely not competing with Alex Morgan. <laughs> 13 goals for Alex Morgan so far this season. San Diego still atop the NWSL table. Megan Rapino, boy, just what a game for Megan Rapino. Pure class on this assist. A uh, little sombrero right there. And then look, outside the foot and then dimer up. Like, that's ridiculous. Come on, man. And she was not done. No, Megan Rapino in stoppage time, her providing the game winning goal as O.L. Reign take a 2-1 over Orlando. Yeah, and she goes with her laces on this, which is uh, such an odd way to do it, but effective for Megan Rapino. Gets her goal in the end and the game winner. Watch this. Outside, is it outside's like laces of the right boot right there. Don't sleep on O.L. Reign. In that playoff race, they could be uh, very dangerous come the postseason. U.S. Women's National Team against Nigeria, Tuesday, September 6th from the nation's capital at Audi Field on ESPN2. By the way, Trinity Rodman was on that roster. She has been replaced by Savannah DeMello. Again, the U.S. will play Nigeria twice. The second of those games, Tuesday, September 6th, 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. From the NWSL to the Liga MX, Chivas winning their third straight game over the weekend, Herc. Despite the fact that they fell behind early in the third minute, Diogo putting Pumas ahead. Yeah, it's a good little through ball right there. Diogo takes the space in front of him, finishes it off, and then Chivas come back. That's right. On the quarter hour mark, Jesus Orozco makes it 1-1. It's a good ball in by Alexis. And then Orozco finishing it off. Gil Alcalá is probably going to want that one back, but Chivas will take it. Alexis Vega, the goal that you were so unimpressed with, Hercules. Goal's a goal. Goal goal's is a, a goal. goal. Speaking of goal's a goal, how about this in the uh, 40th minute? Nice build-up from Chivas. Uh, but in the end, the final touch on this play, Herc, will be uh, courtesy Pumas. Go ahead. Come on. Well done, Nene Beltran. Give it to him. Give it to him. Take him down the line. Gil Alcala, you got this, Gil. You got this. Pumas is goalkeeper. Oh. Mm. We don't got it. That's wins against Necaxa, Rayados, and Pumas of late for Chivas, who find themselves seventh in the Liga Mekis table. Six points back of the top four with six games left. Herc, how optimistic should Chivas fans be? Is top four realistic? No. 
It's not realistic. <laughs> Listen, they've scored eight goals in the last three games. Uh, mm. This is what they needed. That still means that they have only 13 goals this season. Still very low mark. Um, one of the worst in Liga Amiki still. And it's great. This gives you room to breathe. Mm -hmm. It eases everything going on. But they're not deep. And in the next 27 days, they're going to have seven games. That's a little over three, every three days a game. Okay, And in those games, you're going to have Toluca, which has a very good offensive uh, juggernaut. You've got Cholos, which is very difficult to play against. You've got Puebla, who's a very good team. You've got Tigres, who's one of the favorites right now. You have Club America that's flying high. You've got to go to Cincinnati and play that game for the Leafs Cup Showcase. And then you've got to finish with Cruz Azul. It's not easy, my man. <clears throat> It's not going to be easy, but it never is with mm -hmm. Chivas. I think eventually, top four is way too optimistic. Yeah. Their range is probably somewhere eight to 12 in between there. And I think that's a sweet spot for them. I know that the producer thinks it's like six or seven. I think ninth, which is what they've been the last decade really, is where they are. But that's good enough to get in. And this Chivas team has proven that in transition, they can give lots of teams in this league trouble. They got to make up six points in six games with that schedule. It's not going to happen. I think they'll definitely be there. Oh, wow. But I don't think they'll be uh, anywhere past the quarterfinals this year. Sorry, producer Beto, uh, as much as you might like to see Dagger. it. We do have Liga Mekis on ESPN Plus and ESPN Deportes on Saturday. Rayados against Mazatlan. Coverage starts at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Don't miss it. All right, uh, great shirt. I got uh, got my No Fuchs Given shirt as well. Shout out oh, to our wow. guy. Oh, wow. Serendipity, Herc. You didn't even know I was wearing it. I uh, didn't so even know. So how about know. that? And then on, movie, on Thursday, Herc, I will not be here, but we will have a Road to Qatar <laughs> interview <laughs> with Gianluca Busio. Where are you I going know, now? I know, it's crazy. Where are you going now? I'm going on a, a quick trip to the beach, bro. I, I just need some time the to recharge. The real World Cup now? Like, recharge. you got to compete in that? It's, it's the it's the Little League World Series Part Two, the little brother. Broadcast journalism class. Part What's two. Going on here? All right, we'll see you Thursday.